Exodus 19, and we'll begin at verse 9. Yahweh, Father, bless this lesson today. I pray that it will be a blessing to the people here. Give me the wisdom to speak your truth and give us all ears to hear what the Scripture says. Hallelujah. Yahweh said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. Then Moses reported to the people's, reported the people's words to Yahweh. And Yahweh told Moses, Go to the people and purify them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For on the third day, Yahweh will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people, put boundaries for the people all around the mountain, and say, Be careful that you don't go up on the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain will be put to death. No hand may touch him. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows. Neither animal or man will live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up the mountain. Then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. He said to the people, Be prepared by the third day. Do not have sexual relations with women. On the third day when morning came, there was thunder, lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a loud trumpet sound, so that all the people in the camp shuddered, then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet Elohim, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because Yahweh came down on it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and Elohim answered him in the thunder. Yahweh came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain, and then Yahweh summoned Moses to the top of the mountain, and he went up. Yahweh directed Moses, go down and warn the people not to break through to see Yahweh, otherwise many of them will die. Even the priests who come near Yahweh must purify themselves, or Yahweh will break out in anger against them. But Moses responded to Yahweh, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai. Since you warned us, put a boundary around the mountain and consider it holy. And Yahweh replied to him, go down and come back with Aaron. But the priests and the people must not break through to come up to Yahweh or he will break out in anger against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. And here's where Yahweh gives the Ten Commandments. And then after the Ten Commandments, look at verse 18 through 21. All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. You speak to us and we will listen, they said to Moses, but don't let Elohim speak to us or we will die. Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid for Elohim has come to test you so that you will fear him and will not sin. And the people remained standing at a distance as Moses approached the thick darkness where Elohim was. Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. We're going to begin our series through and study through the law of Yahweh found in the book of Exodus in particular. We're not going to just only be in Exodus. Eventually we'll get to other books. But we're going to look at Exodus 20, 18 through the end of chapter 20. And then we're going to cover chapters 21, 22, 23, and 24 as an end cap. 
And then we're going to go also to probably Exodus 34 where the covenant is renewed and the new stones of the covenant are given with the obligations to the covenant, to the agreement between Yahweh and the Israelite people. Now, that's a lot of verses. There's plenty of good material in there. There's a variety of material. We're going to take our time and go through it verse by verse. We're not going to get in a hurry. Um, and we're going to just spend time studying the law of Yahweh so that we can better understand how to obey, which means how to love the Creator. Because as I learned as a child, obedience is the very best way to show that we believe. I do want to encourage everybody right here at the beginning to take the time to go back over the first two lessons that I taught in this series where I started with the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall think upon it day and night. Those two sermons will show you why our focus should be on the law that Yahweh gave through prophet Moses. You can listen to those lessons over and over so that you build a good foundation in your mind as to why we're taking the time to do this as a congregation. And then we're going to begin today by looking at Exodus chapter 20 verses 18 through 21. Now, I open by reading a lot in chapter 19 to get the context of the passage. Exodus 20 and 18 again, it says, All the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, they trembled and they stood at a distance. Now, this is a reiteration again of chapter 19, and it happened, all of these things happened because Yahweh came down on Mount Sinai. He told Prophet Moshe he was coming down on the mountain in 19, 18 through 20. Twice we're told he came down up on the mountain. So when Yahweh shows up, there is thunder, lightning, thick cloud, smoke, the sound of a loud trumpet, we read that the whole mountain shook. Now, I thought when I was putting this sermon together, I thought I might try to duplicate that on the TV screen. But then I thought about it again, and I thought, that's silly. You can't duplicate Yahweh. <laughs> so try to picture it in your mind. All of that is what happens when Yahweh shows up and he comes down on the mountain. All of that noise, all of that tumult. Now, I should point out here that in verse 18... The word saw, when it says, when the people saw it, they trembled. That word saw in Hebrew is the Hebrew word ra'ah. But it's the same word used at the beginning of the verse where it says that the people witnessed what was taking place. And this is because the word ra'ah in Hebrew doesn't just mean to see with your eyes, but it means you experience something with your senses. So you can ra'ah by seeing, by hearing, by smelling. Tasting, touching, you witness it, you experience it. They experienced what was taking place. The people of Israel did not physically see the Almighty, but they did witness the effects of the Almighty coming down on the mountain. Now, if you make notes in your Bible, you can put a note here at Exodus 20 and 18 to refer you to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 through 19. There in Deuteronomy, we have the second giving of the law. And at the second giving of the law, there's a recounting that the people heard the voice of Yahweh, but they did not see a form or a shape. They didn't see a shape, but they heard the voice of Yahweh. Now, we're going to talk more about that in the next lesson next week, Yahweh's will. 
But it's important to recognize that Yahweh showed Himself by voice. They witnessed Ra'ah. They witnessed, they experienced Him by voice and by the effects that they experienced and witnessed. But they did not see a form. And there's a reason for that. The point in all of this flare is to show the power and the holiness of Yahweh. That He is separate from us. He is separated from humans. He deals with His people. Thankfully, He includes us in His plans. He mercies us. He forgives us of our sins. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's rich in faithful love. But none of that means that Yahweh is not a force to be reckoned with. He's a force to be reckoned with and a lot of this sermon is going to be about bringing back the fear of Yahweh in our lives. And a lot of people veer away from that word fear. I don't have a problem with it. In Hebrew and Greek, I understand it can mean to reverence, to awe, to respect, but it can mean to be afraid of. There is a healthy fear. There is an unhealthy fear. We're supposed to have a healthy fear for our mighty one. In Exodus 19, here at the giving of the Ten Commandments, shows just how powerful and holy Yahweh is. He is to be feared. He is the self-existent one and He could wipe all of us off the face of the earth if He so chose. So here at the beginning of the covenant, He gives Israel something to fear. When He comes down on the mountain and they hear the lightning and the thunder and the smoke and the mountain shakes and the trumpet gets louder and louder, He gives them something to fear. And this reminds me of Proverbs 1 verse 7 which says, The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In Proverbs, we also read that the fear of Yahweh, listen to this, it prolongs life, it is a fountain of life and that we should fear Yahweh all the day long. Proverbs says all of that. In Psalm 19 verse 9, this scripture really has stuck with me this week. I thought about Brother Jerry Kendall when he says something stuck with me in the scriptures this week. This is what stuck with me that I've never thought about before. Psalm 19 verse 9 says, The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. It's clean. That's the word tahor. That's the same word where Yahweh says these animals you can eat, they're clean, they're fit. Or when somebody is cleansed of a disease. The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. There's a lot to that. That's really been with me. So Yahweh doesn't come down on the mountain and just start waving at everybody and say, Hey guys, like Forrest Gump waving from the boat. Hey guys, what's up? No, He doesn't do that. He shows up in power. He shows up in a way that strikes fear in the hearts of the people. So all of this is happening. And the Bible says that the people tremble and they stand at a distance. They fear Yahweh. And I believe that it's an appropriate fear. Listen to what Yahweh tells us through the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 66, verse 2, it says this, Thus saith Yahweh, I will look favorably on this kind of person, one who is humble, who is submissive in spirit, and who trembles at my word. Humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles. And you can look up the word tremble. It means to be afraid, to fear. Now we never want to veer too far into fear as though Yahweh is some kind of ugly monster that scares us because He's not like that. That's not what I'm talking about. 
Too much fear is bad. It needs to be balanced with love. The Bible teaches the love of Yahweh and the fear of Yahweh. It teaches we are to fear Yahweh and it teaches we are to love Yahweh. It teaches that Yahweh is a powerful, mighty one and a force to be reckoned with and also that He's slow to anger and compassionate. And it's okay. We can take a deep breath. We can calm down and we can just say, it's all right to believe everything that the Scripture says. We don't have to take one side or the other. We can just believe all of it. Sometimes we can talk about the fear of Yahweh. Other times we can talk about the love of Yahweh. Both need to be preached on. I'm afraid in our day the balance of many has gotten off of kilter because people have veered too far towards the love side. They think that Yahweh is only a mighty one of love and that we just need to love Yahweh and we don't really want to talk about being afraid of Yahweh or being fearful of Yahweh. And that's just not scriptural. That's too far to one side of the spectrum. We need to walk back towards the middle and we need to balance that love of Yahweh out with a good dose of the fear of Yahweh, but we don't need to walk past the middle. We don't need to think that our fear of Yahweh should outweigh the love of Yahweh. We should find a happy medium right there in the middle that we serve Yahweh, not just out of fear, not just out of love, but because we both love and we fear Yahweh. Now, when I was a kid... I had a great dad. So thankful Yahweh caused me to be raised by a good Christian dad. So thankful for that upbringing. No dad is perfect. I found that out fathering five children. But Yahweh gave me a good dad. And he pretty much would tell me every day of my life, I love you, son. I love you, Matthew. I heard that from my dad all the time. I still hear it. When he meets me today, he'll tell me, he'll give me a long hug. He likes long hugs. And he says, I love you, son. I love you so much. He would take care of me. Sometimes I vaguely remember him picking me up as a little boy still and, and hugging me and telling me he, he loved me. But there's one thing that I also had towards my dad. I feared my dad. As I got older, I feared him. If I got in trouble, I wanted mama to do the discipline. How many experienced that? Maybe it was the opposite for some of y'all. Maybe you wanted dad to do the discipline and not mama because some mamas can be tough. But I wanted Mama to do the discipline because, I'll just be honest, it didn't hurt me when Mama spanked me. <laughs> but it hurt when Dad spanked me. And he only had to give me one good one or two good ones, and it hurt, and it put me back in line. I had a healthy fear for my father. I was not allowed as a kid to back talk, to pitch a fit, to lie. If my dad found out I did any of those things, I would be in extreme trouble. And the word extreme I just used in the right way. <laughs> I would be in extreme trouble. My dad was a man that I respected. He's a man that I still respect. And all of that discipline wasn't pleasant, as Hebrews 12, I think, says. wasn't pleasant at the time, but now that I'm 40 years old, I recognize my dad did it because he loved me. He didn't want me to turn out to be a, a bad citizen. And so I do still love my dad, but I, I still fear him. I still respect him. I still don't want to upset him. Yahweh wants this from us, so He interacts with us in both ways. He comes down on the mountain with lights, smoke, and noise so that people will fear Him. But guess what He doesn't do? He doesn't harm anybody. As a matter of fact, He tells them, look, as long as you stay back and don't touch the mountain, you'll be okay. If you touch it now, you're going to get stoned or shot with an arrow. As long as you stay back, don't worry. It'll be a little bit scary. <laughs> It's okay. He didn't come down to unleash his wrath from the get-go. You know why? Because he loved his people and he proved it by delivering them out of the land of Egypt. 
And not just the people of Israel, but even some Egyptians joined to the people of Israel and were delivered out with Israel out of the land of Egypt. He loves his children. Now, something to take note of here, for example, is that when we as a Torah community, when we want to show how strict Yahweh is, a lot of times we'll bring up a text in Numbers 15, 32 through 35, right around in there, where a man is picking up sticks on the Sabbath. I believe he's defiantly trying to desecrate the Sabbath. He doesn't care. It's not that he was just picking up a stick and twiddling with it, but it had something to do with his work, his labor, his occupation, or he just was shaking his fist at Yahweh and saying, I don't care about the Sabbath. And what does Yahweh do? Well, people find out. They bring him to Moses. Moses talks to Yahweh. Yahweh says, stone him to death. They stone this man to death for desecrating the Sabbath. And so we say, see, Yahweh means business, so we better straighten up. And we forget, though, that earlier back in the book of Exodus, before we ever get to the book of Numbers, in Exodus 16 at the giving of the manna, Yahweh had given them instructions to gather the manna for six days and not go out to gather, not even leave your place to gather the manna on the Shabbat. But yet, what did the people do, a lot of them? They left on Shabbat and they went out to gather the manna. And what did Yahweh do? He just said, how long will you defy me? He didn't kill anybody. He didn't say anybody was to be put to death. He said, how long will you defy me? Yahweh's giving you six days. Don't go out on the seventh day. And he left it at that. And so right there in the Torah, in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, we see, yes, the wrath of Yahweh, but we also see Yahweh's mercy and His forgiveness and His love and that He doesn't just pounce right down upon people when they're learning to keep the commandments. This is important because it shows the balance in the Old Testament without ever going to the New Testament. Everyone here knows that I love the New Testament, the Newer Testament. But I get tired of people thinking that we've got to go to the New Testament to see the patience of Yahweh, to see the mercy of Yahweh, to see the love of the Creator. We don't have to even go to the New Testament to see His love, His patience, and His mercy. We can go right there in Exodus 16 and we see His patience and His mercy there. We didn't kill anybody for violating Shabbat. We also see it in Exodus 19, right in the midst of all this light, smoke, and noise. Yahweh wants to put fear in the people, but He doesn't do it like a criminal that let's say a criminal that's got hostages and he kills a hostage so that he upsets and makes everybody afraid. That's not how Yahweh operates. He comes down in power. He speaks with authority, but he doesn't harm anybody. Let me point something else out here. I want you to notice in verse 21 that while the people tremble and stand at a distance, Moshe, the prophet, does not. He doesn't stand at a distance. He goes up close to Yahweh. Verse 21, it says, And the people remained standing at a distance as Moshe approached the thick darkness where Elohim was. Now, this does not mean that Moshe was not humble. It doesn't mean he did not fear and tremble before Yahweh. He respected Yahweh too. But he was a special vessel that Yahweh had chosen to represent himself to the people. Exodus 19 verse 9. This is a, a memory verse. It should be a memory verse. This has jumped out at me a lot studying this week because Exodus 19 verse 9 says that one of the reasons that Yahweh came down on the mountain with such pomp was so that the people would see, ra'ah, experience what was happening. Yahweh directly would talk with prophet Moshe and they would believe Moshe. The HCSB says from now on a lot of Bibles say that you will believe Moshe forever. Hebrew word is olam. 
lot of people have stopped believing Moshe. <laughs> a lot of people have. Say, that's the old covenant, Brother Matthew. Got to get to the new. Exodus 19.9 says, The reason Yahweh did that was so that the people would believe Moshe alone forever. Moshe was anointed and he was appointed. The point that I want to bring out here to apply it to us today is that in the Scriptures we learn here that Yahweh has leaders. He has people that lead. He appoints them. It doesn't mean they're more saved. It just means they've been chosen and given gifts and abilities to lead. It's no different than being out on the job and everybody can work. Everybody's good at what they do, but you have a leader that guides on the job. When Yahweh puts a leader in your life, respect them. When you see Yahweh's hand upon someone in a special way, whether it's a male or a female in your life, get behind them and flow with that current. If they're close to Yahweh, get close to them and you'll become close to Yahweh. That's how the people did it with Prophet Moshe. Now it's very sad in our movement, I'm talking about the Torah movement as a whole, that community leadership is often looked down upon. It's very sad. I see it just about every week on Facebook. Somebody says, well, I don't need a teacher. I got the Holy Spirit to teach me. And they'll quote that verse out of context in 1 John 2 that says you need not teachers because you have one teacher, the Holy Spirit. But in context, if you just read above and below, he's talking about the anti-Messiah teachers. You don't need any of them because you have the Spirit. He's not contradicting everything else in the Bible that talks about leaders and teachers. 1 John chapter 2. Somebody talks about a bad experience they had with a pastor. They start throwing off on all pastors. Listen, if you run across a bad doctor, that's a bad doctor. It doesn't mean they're all bad. You ain't got to say what he or she did to you, all of them will do. If you get ripped off by a septic tank man, it doesn't mean all of us are bad. (laughs) Some people will do you a good job. When Yeshua ascended up into heaven, Ephesians chapter 4 says that Yahweh gave him authority to give gifts to people. Ephesians 4 says he gave some to be apostles, others to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and others to be pastors, and some to be teachers. And all this, Paul says, was for the perfecting of the saints. He gave those gifts for the perfecting of the saints through the work of the ministry. We see that in Ephesians, but we also see it in Exodus. Remember Exodus chapter 18, one chapter back, Jethro who was also named Ruel, Moses' father-in-law. He said, Moses, you're doing this all by yourself. You need some help. So I want you to appoint men who are able, trustworthy, who fear the Almighty, and who hate taking bribes. And Moshe did that. He chose able men from all Israel to lead the people. He set some men over thousands, some over hundreds, some over fifties, and some over tens, and they led. There was structure in the camp. If you're doing a job with five men and there's no leader, you're going to run into problems. Anybody ever experienced that? There can be delegation. A leader can delegate. He can appoint. Everyone can be skilled and do work, but there's got to be somebody to lead. There's got to be somebody in charge. The old saying is, too many chiefs and not enough Indians. I told Brother TJ the other day, you can't get anything done with a committee. (laughs) committee just causes problems. You have to appoint somebody to lead. And then you have to respect the gift that Yahweh's given them. Look at verses 19 through 20 again. Exodus 20, 19 through 20. 
You speak to us and we will listen, they said to Moshe. But don't let Elohim speak to us or we will die. Moshe responded to the people, Don't be afraid, for Elohim has come to test you so that you will fear Him and will not sin. Once again, look at that last part again. Elohim has come to test you so that you will fear Him and will not sin. Now right above it it says, Don't be afraid. But then it says Elohim's come so that you'll fear Him. Once again, there's a balance. Fear can be healthy, but fear without love is unhealthy. When Yahweh comes down, He does this to make the people fear Him, but He's inviting them to worship Him and to serve Him. He's not cowering over the people to try to make them feel dumb or stupid. He's wanting to come down and teach them something, specifically the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments, along with the statutes and judgments. He's coming down to teach them. And He says He's come to test you. Elohim has come to test you. What's this test? Most likely this is probably talking about the instruction given about the mountain. In Exodus 19, 10 through 15, where he says, I'm going to come down, but you stay away from the mountain. Don't let a hand or a foot, and that the Hebrew words hand or foot can refer to the human hand or foot or the animal hand or foot, because he mentions the animals are not allowed to come near the mountain either. But he tests them. He says, I'm, I'm going to come down, but don't touch the mountain. That's the test. And there was a three-day prep for the arrival of Yahweh. Yahweh was going to come, and Moshe said, we got three days to get ready for him. You know, I mean, it's no different than us getting ready for a banquet or a wedding or, or something like that. We got three days to do it, to arrive for him. Purify. He told them to wash their clothes. He even told the people to refrain from intimacy, from relations. They were told not to go up the mountain or touch its base, not even an animal. So Yahweh gives them an instruction to test the loyalty that they just pledged at the beginning of chapter 19 when they said, everything you've spoken, we'll do. So Yahweh says, I'm going to test you. I've come to test you. Now, think about the part after that. He does this, verse 20, so that you will fear Him and not sin. So all the lights, the smoke, and the action, and the noise was there so that the Israelites would remember the occurrence that they experienced. They would fear Yahweh and they would be motivated not to transgress His law. Now, one of my commentaries on the book of Exodus written by a man named Victor Hamilton. He had something so good to say here, I couldn't say it any better. So I'm putting this quote in my lesson today. Mr. Hamilton writes this on this text. Quote, The fear of God is to help deter people from sinning. Moses is not advocating for sinless perfection, but neither is he excusing sin in believers nor suggesting that a little bit of sin is still okay. A lapse where we fall into sin must not become the norm, something with which we can be comfortable and something we can tolerate and condone. End of that quote. Yahweh understands we're frail creatures. He even implemented a system of forgiveness and atonement within His law. It's a merciful system of forgiveness called the sacrificial system um, under the Levites. It's such a merciful system of forgiveness in His gracious covenant that He made. That older covenant was just as gracious. But at the same time, He wants us to be focused on Him. Even though He's merciful and He's forgiving, He wants us to be focused. He's not excusing sin. And He wants us to fear Him so that we live righteous lives. Exodus 18, 21. I've come down so that you will fear Me and not sin. The more time and, and focus that we devote towards Yahweh, the stronger we advance in the Spirit. 
more time you spend in Bible reading and study, prayer, meditation on the law, fasting, finding ways to help your neighbor, the stronger you'll be in the Spirit. You meditate upon His commands. You tune into the frequency of the Spirit, so to speak. And I'm not trying to make up something or sound fancy, but it's just an illustration. To hear what a channel is broadcasting, you tune into what? That channel. You don't tune into a channel before or after it. You tune into that channel. You hear what it's broadcasting. And if you are not tuned into the broadcast of Yahweh to His frequency, to His channel, Yahweh's not going to rub off on you. But whatever else it is that you're tuned into, that's going to rub off on you. And so that when, when people bump you, you're going to spill out whatever you've been taking in. Because what you take in is what you put out. Now, if you've spent time with Yahweh, if you've been down on your knees in prayer and humbling yourself before Yahweh and in His Word, somebody bumps you, you're going to spill out Yahweh. You're going to spill out the Spirit of Yahweh. You get good at what you practice. You start improving on something that you spend time doing over and over and over. Have you ever heard anybody say when they're trying to do something, they might say, well, I fell out of practice. I'm, I'm not as good as I used to be. I fell out of practice. Because they haven't, they haven't done it for a while. And so why? They're not as good at it for a while. I remember, you know, sports used to be a big part of my life, especially in high school, and I played basketball, and that was my whole life. But I grew up and I realized this is just a waste of time. I might can do it recreationally every now and then, but I, I don't need to play. And so I, I stopped. And I guarantee you I'm not as good now as I once was, but I'm not worried about it because I'm putting all my effort into service to Yahweh now. <laughs> Being a better husband, a better father, a better friend, and a better servant to the, to the Creator. You get good at what you practice. If you slack up or stop reading and studying the Torah, when, when you stop experiencing Yahweh coming down on the mountain with thunder and lightning and cloud and smoke and fire and trumpet blast and you take your focus off of Yahweh for other things, then you'll get good at the other things, and people might think highly of you for being smart about the other things, but you won't be good and smart in service to Yahweh. And that could be sports, you know. Got the big football game coming up with the Super Bowl here, I think, soon. And people get ramped up for that, and they ain't picked up their Bible in months. And they want to talk to you about sports, but talk to them about Yahweh, I, I got to get going. <laughs> I got to get going. Politics. People get ramped up about that. Entertainment. I'm not saying all of those things are always wrong. I'm not up here teaching it's a sin to play basketball or football. I'm not an IFB preacher. <laughs> Some of y'all get that joke. I'm just saying our focus has to be upon Yahweh. We can't put other things above Yahweh. You cannot portray Yahweh to others if you have not spent any time with Yahweh yourself. You can't. So Yahweh has come to you all today and to me in this holy convocation that we're having right here in my living room and kitchen. And He's come to you, listen, so that you will fear Him and not sin. So that you will fear Him and not sin. Do you fear Yahweh? That's a question only you can answer for yourself. Do you fear Him? Stop making excuses for sin. I know that we all sin. I'm not denying that from the book of 1 John, little John in the Newer Testament. Don't use that as a crutch. You really know in your heart of hearts you can't use that as a crutch. You know good and well you believe that a thief can't sit down and pray and 
ask Yahweh to forgive him. I'm about to rob somebody, but I want you to forgive me, I, I, you know, because really I don't want to do it, but my flesh is just too strong, so I'm going to do it anyhow. We all know that that's wrong. Don't use that as a crutch that we all sin. Yahweh has come so that we might fear Him and not sin. You should never be comfortable in sin. You should always fight sin. Even when it overcomes you and you give in to it, repent and fight it. Put it to death. Ask Yahweh to help you. Ask trusted brothers and sisters that you can confide in to help you and share with them and become an overcomer in Yahweh's law. Make it a habit to eat from Yahweh's table in some way every day of your life. We stand at a distance from Him. We tremble before Him. But at the same time, we can be close to Him and we can experience His love if we just submit to His authority. We can experience that. So in our next lesson, which Yahweh's will will be next week, we'll begin looking at verses 22 through 26 in Exodus 20. You can get a head start this week. You can read those every day so you kind of know what we're going to be going over. And Yahweh begins to speak to prophet Moshe about what to tell the people of Israel. And this is part of the book of the law that we're not to let depart from our mouth. So I want to close today with our song from the book of Joshua. And then we'll have our prayer request and testimony service. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall think on it day and night. Be careful to do what Yah tells you to do so that you will have good success. Don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, but stay on the narrow path. Be careful to do what Yah tells you to do so that you will have good success. May Yahweh bless you and keep you.